ho, ho. Merry Christmas and welcome to a very special Christmas edition of the Different Church Podcast. My name is Jarrett and I just want to say I'm super pumped that you are joining us wherever you are right now in your car at work. Thanks for choosing to listen to Different Church. So you're probably listening to us for one or possibly two reasons. Uh, number one, maybe you've heard about our church and what we're up to, and you want to know a little more about it. Or number two, or maybe and number two, uh, we have been doing basically some sermons on podcast form until we're able to actually launch in the first part of 2020. So if you're listening for either of those reasons, welcome, or if you're listening for a different reason, that's cool too. I don't know what other reason it could be. Maybe you just think I'm cool. <laughs> Sorry, I say things that I should go back and edit out, but I never do. So anyway, thanks for joining us. So we are getting ready to close out the year here as I'm sure you know all of you guys are doing the same things at work and at home. And you know how it can be, it's crazy. And things are definitely crazy for us right now, but I got to say, <clears throat> things are crazy in a really good way. Um, there are so many exciting things happening. We've got a couple of announcements that we just, we're just buttoning up the details, and so we can't officially tell you anything yet, but just know pretty soon we're going to be uh, coming to you with some really cool nuggets. What I can tell you is we have just been crushing it on the giving back to community aspect of what our church is about. If you know anything about us, we kind of started this church based on like eight different things that we want to do differently from most churches. And one of them has to do with finances. We want to be transparent and responsible, and we want to use as much money as possible, not on us. We just want to, you know, anything that we get right away, we're taking 10% out and giving it straight back to the community. We call it a reverse tithe. <clears throat> but on top of that, we're giving back more money, just like our, our budget. We just have stuff uh, earmarked for community projects. And since we aren't officially meeting as a church yet, we figured, hey, we've got a really cool opportunity to meet and do some awesome stuff. So you've probably seen, if you've been following along on our social media accounts at all, uh, we just did a laundry project and it went awesome. Um, oh man, I had the final numbers, but I, I think we did, oh gosh. I'm going to look through my phone right now while we are live podcasting, and you can tell me if that's not the most boring thing anyone has ever done on a podcast. Okay, so we did two locations, and one location had 140 loads of laundry, and the other location had 206 loads of laundry. So I can't do math, but that's something like 350-something? I don't know. <laughs> somebody, somebody shoot me a text and add that up for me. Um, and there was 18 volunteers and it took us, you know, three hours. We just spent three hours on a Saturday morning. It was super fun. We were all hanging out with our friends. Everybody that came into the laundromats quickly became our friends. It was just a really cool community moment. And we were very proud to just offer this cool gift right before Christmas. So that's awesome. Also, we haven't really officially said this on social media anywhere so this is the first time I'm saying it. However, I might actually put it on social media before this podcast goes up, so don't hold me to it, but maybe this is brand new information. There's this organization called Reach St. Pete, and they do um, a number of different things, um, and one of them is called Under the Bridge, 
and they serve some of their uh, some of the home free members of St. Pete's who don't have anywhere to go. They do a weekly meal, and we decided to pay for every single meal on Christmas Eve. I don't know what their typical headcount is. Um, I'm excited to kind of get to know this organization a little bit more, but I know it's it's going to provide meals for dozens and dozens of people who normally wouldn't have it, and we're really excited to offer it on Christmas Eve. That just feels really special. Um, everybody uh, from there has been really cool to work with, so much so that um, in February, we're actually going to get the whole gang together to do a service project, and we're going to go and attend one of these Under the Bridge events. So we're really pumped about that. Uh, in the meantime, though, we are uh, financially providing uh, the money to take care of all the meals for Christmas Eve, just to you know say Merry Christmas. And um, I don't know. It's kind of the least we can do. It's really cool. I don't know if you're blessed to be around friends and family during the holidays. I know I am. And I always try and take some time out to think about people who aren't as fortunate. And it's cool to be in a position to where we can actually do something about it and not just think about it. Thinking about it's great, praying about it's awesome, but if you can do something, you should. And so we are. Okay. Um, I don't those are kind of the biggest things we have going on for the church. We're oh, we're doing a beach cleanup on New Year's Day. We don't have all the details for it yet because some things have changed here in the past couple days. Uh, but we'll probably be starting somewhere around like nine or ten in the morning. And we're just gonna hang out on the beach and pick up trash because we love the earth. It's one of the uh, core values and ways that we think that we're different. So if you want to join in on that, uh, shoot us an email at hello at diffchurch.com or just reach out to us on social, or you can even check the website and sign up there. That's pretty much all we have for you for the different church check-in. I guess one last thing is we've got an Amazon wish list going with us starting services the first part of next year. There are a ton of things that we need uh, help gathering and if you feel like you want to help out with that, just check out this list. If you follow us on social, either Facebook or Instagram, uh, we'll be posting it in the next couple of days. And it's just an opportunity for you to help us purchase some small things that we need, coloring books for the kids ministry, or some larger ticket items like um, there's a coffee machine on there, uh, an iPad, uh, stuff like that. So if you feel like contributing in that way, that would be spectacular. Otherwise, I think it's time for Hannah. She's got a really, really cool Christmas message prepared for you, and I think you're going to love it. As you know, it is my privilege to name these podcast episodes. So without further ado, I give you Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Matthew 1, 
18 through 25. Hello again, friends, and Merry Christmas. Um, I hope that you have Christmas plans, and if you celebrate, and if you don't, I hope that you have some end-of-the-year plans and that you are spending time with family or friends or your chosen family. And today we're going to focus on the Christmas story for this very special Christmas episode of the podcast and specifically talk about chosen family and talk about Joseph and the choices that he made. So first, chosen family. Chosen family is at the heart of the incarnation. Now, incarnation is one of those theological words that get tossed around sometimes in church without ever being explained. So basically, the incarnation is this theological doctrine that Jesus took on a human body and became both human and God. So it's the doctrine or belief that Jesus already was God, but he became both human and God by becoming a baby and choosing to be born as a human. And this family, this chosen family, is at the heart of the incarnation because if you look on the surface, we're just like, oh yeah, Joseph, Mary, and Jesus, totally fine. No, not totally fine. (laughs) Joseph, Mary, and Jesus are not a conventional family, yet they chose each other. Joseph chooses to adopt Jesus despite not being the biological father of this child. Joseph recommits to his choice of Mary despite all of the social reasons not to, which we will get into in a moment. God chooses Mary, who is this young woman on the fringes of society. And Mary chooses to say yes to God, despite all of the social reasons she should not. And God chooses to become a human, despite all of the reasons not to. And chosen family can bring about incredible things, can bring about love that is renewed. It can bring about hope. And perhaps you are spending time with your biological family this season and they may be hostile to you. They may be aggressive towards you. They may not accept you or your life or your partner. Um, Perhaps they don't accept your life choices. Perhaps they're harassing you about your future plans for marriage, for children. Perhaps your biological family has brought you great pain in your life. And I just want you to know first that God sees you, that God sees in this darkness and in this struggle and the depths of pain and frustration you feel because God with us, this word Emmanuel means God with us. It's not just this metaphor. It's a reality in Jesus. And it may feel sometimes, and certainly I have felt this way before, um, specifically this year has been difficult for me and my family. And there's been times this year where we feel like we're in the dark and that this is where your hopes are dying, that this is where grace is dying, that that the darkness is closing in. And it's interesting that the winter solstice is three days before Christmas um, because the winter solstice is the longest day of the year. And then three days later is the first day that you can see the sun begin to move again. Um, of course, it moves a little bit before that, but in the ancient understanding, the three days later was when you can finally see the progression of the sun begin to stay a little longer, to hold a little more light in the sky. And this is powerful because Christmas is three days after the winter solstice on purpose. Um, It's not just by accident, it's on purpose because it may feel as though you're in the darkest night of the year, it may feel as though you're in the darkest night of your life, but three days later, hope is born on Christmas day. 
And of course, we understand that that is a metaphor. Jesus was not literally born on December 25th, um, probably maybe sometime in June. Um, but the meaning behind holding this celebration on Christmas Day is so powerful. And what I want to say is that if you're having a difficult time, and I hope you're not, <laughs> I hope Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year for you. Um, but I know that for a lot of people, it's difficult. And I think that you can hold both of those things in tension. So perhaps it is the most wonderful time and it's full of joy and laughter, but there is still darkness and despair for you. I just want to say to you that darkness is not where grace goes to die, but where grace goes to be born. And that is what we see in the story of Jesus. We see God with us, despite all the, all the reasons not to. <laughs> Jesus born to this unconventional family, which shouldn't work, but does. Um, Jesus born into a low status and low income family, God with us as a baby, not as this warrior that overthrows everything using the same systems that human kings and human rulers do, but instead God with us, Emmanuel, as a child in this chosen family. And so today we're going to focus on Joseph because I think Joseph kind of gets the short end of the stick a little bit. <laughs> um, we always focus on Mary during the Christmas season and of course the baby Jesus, which is wonderful and they should be focused on. Um, but I feel like Joseph does not always get focused on and he has such an integral part to play in this story that without Joseph, probably none of this would have happened the way that it, the way that we understand it now. And when we think about Joseph, generally we're like, oh yeah, Joseph, what a great guy. He stayed with her anyways, but obviously it's because the angel told him so. And we don't really examine the actual process that might have been going through his mind when this happened. So when we think about Joseph, we need to think about what was at stake for him in choosing this unconventional family because he was engaged to a fiance that he had not slept with and here she was pregnant. Now, this was absolutely not allowed for Mary, first of all. And if Joseph had acted in the manner that was allowed, he was allowed to by law, Mary certainly would have been publicly shamed um, and even possibly executed for being unfaithful. So when we think of an engagement in today's society, we think, oh, so-and-so, this person asked another person to marry them. And if for some reason one of them is unfaithful and that upsets the other partner, there's, they're going to split up. But and maybe there will be some gossip, maybe there'll be some back and forth, but they're not going to be publicly shamed in front of the entire town. Everyone they know is not going to, to, to turn against them. And the engagement can end, but it's not quite the same as a divorce. Whereas in the times when Joseph and Mary were engaged, an, enga an engagement was very serious. It was basically almost the same as being married. They just had not consummated anything yet. They hadn't had the celebration yet. So she was promised to Joseph. And for her to suddenly wind up pregnant was a scandal of epic proportions, even in a low-status family, and a low-income family, and probably even especially so uh, because... Mary would have needed to be with Joseph for her livelihood. So she, if he had put her away, essentially, he was not going to marry her, then she would have never possibly been married ever again. And she would have been staying in her parents' house forever. And of course, there's the threat on her life. So in Levitical law and Deuteronomical law, there is a, p a possible threat on her life um, for being unfaithful and for not protecting her virtue, I suppose I'll put it that way, not protecting her virtue the way she should have, um, according to the law. 
So there was a very, it was very dangerous for Mary to have this child and to come forward and say, I am pregnant to Joseph. And we don't know what that conversation went like. We don't know what Joseph's reaction was, but it says here that Joseph was a righteous man, as we read in verse 19. Uh, he was a righteous man, and his first choice was actually compassion, which I think is interesting. Um, his, fir- his first choice was that his pride and his feelings were not more important than Mary's safety. So of course, he ha- we can all imagine that he had to have been very upset. Um, he was going to be married to this person. And if someone came up to you, <laughs> your partner or your fiance, someone came up to you and said, I'm pregnant, but um, it was God. It wasn't, I didn't actually cheat on you. <laughs> you can, I think we can imagine the reaction uh, that would happen. One of disbelief, um, certainly you're just gonna say, no, you're lying, like what a ridiculous excuse. And of course his feelings were hurt, his pride was hurt, um, but his first choice was not to shame her. It was to, it says, put her away quietly, dismiss her quietly. That's in essence a type of divorce. It was basically a breaking of this covenant that they were going to make before they enacted it. And his pride and his hurt feelings were not more important to him than Mary's safety. So he chooses the compassionate path to, to kind of divorce her without doing it publicly, without stating reasons for doing so, with he's being reasonable, he's being kind, even though his entire life plans have just been turned upside down. But it's really interesting, and we could give Joseph much applause for what a great guy he is. He's a righteous man, that's what it says in verse 19. What a great guy for choosing Mary's safety over his own feelings, even though they were damaged. But the story doesn't actually stop there. Being reasonable and kind, Joseph's choice, isn't actually enough. So in this particular story, being reasonable and kind and putting Mary's safety above his own pride is actually a low bar. (laughs) So Joseph does what most of us would think, oh, what a great guy. And yet, it's a low bar in this story. He doesn't go far enough, and he's visited by an angel of God. And Mary would have been safe, of course, um, but she still would have been viewed as less than for the rest of her life. People would have still gossiped about her. Word would have gotten out eventually. They would have looked down on her. They would have looked down on the baby. Her chances of a subsequent marriage would have been slim to none. And Joseph comes to this conclusion that that's better than her being publicly shamed or perhaps having physical violence against her. And he comes to this conclusion, and then he apparently is sleeping pretty well about it, and he's asleep, and then he's visited with an angel of God, a messenger of God in his dreams. And this messenger knows that Joseph has met this low bar of being reasonable, but is implying that God's standard is actually higher than that. And the messenger knows or seems to know that Joseph is afraid of the cost. He's afraid of what it's going to cost him, because the first Words he says to Joseph in his dream, he says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. And he doesn't say, don't be afraid of me. Normally when we see angels or spiritual beings show up in the Bible, the first words they utter are, don't be afraid. (laughs) I'm not here to hurt you. But Joseph doesn't seem to be afraid of the angel. He doesn't seem to be afraid of the messenger because the angel immediately says, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. He goes right to the heart of Joseph's deepest fear. And Joseph certainly, as any reasonable person would have been, afraid to take Mary as his wife because of what she might do in their future relationship. He's viewing this through his lenses and he's saying, listen, 
she's already been unfaithful. She's saying she got pregnant by God. That's ridiculous. <laughs> There's no such thing. That can't possibly happen. So clearly she's been unfaithful to me. And if I marry her, what is going to continue? How, how could this possibly work out? He probably would have been afraid to adopt this child that she had. Regardless of whether that it's not the child's fault, of course, that Mary had seemingly been unfaithful. But how do you react? How do you know how you're going to react to raising somebody else's child? Perhaps he wouldn't, he didn't think he could have emotionally handled it. Perhaps he was afraid of being, that he would not be a good father. And he, of course, would have been afraid of his loss of honor, of damage to his pride. Certainly word would get out eventually. It had, somebody had to know that Mary was pregnant and they weren't married yet. And people would say to him, why, why would you do that? Why would you allow her to walk all over you like that? And the loss of his honor, the loss of his pride, the damage to his, the respect given to him um, would have been great. But this angel meets Joseph where he is in his fears. His greatest fear is to take Mary as his wife, not of the angel. And he presses him to be more courageous, to be the righteous man that he actually is. So the angel is basically telling us, and we have a clue already, because in verse 19, it says, Joseph was a righteous man. And that is a clue to us that that's what the angel is pressing him on. He's saying, don't be afraid to be who you actually are, to be who you are meant to be. Don't be afraid to be the righteous man that you actually are and that we in this story know that he is because we have a bird's eye view. The angel presses him to choose not only to turn down his right to shame and destroy Mary's life, which he already did. So Joseph already said, okay, her safety is more important than my pride. But the angel is pressing him to keep going and to make this decision that just completely contradicts the patriarchal expectations of that society. So by choosing to stay with Mary, to marry her and to adopt her child, Joseph is turning this system of sexual double standard on its head. And we can see this sexual double standard in the Bible functioning quite frequently. And one very clear example is later in the New Testament, where we see Jesus as a grown man and the religious leaders bring this woman to him who has been caught in the act of adultery. And when we say caught in the act, I mean, it means caught in the act. Like they were physically engaged in sexual relations and they were burst in upon by the, by the religious leaders, which, I mean, I have a lot of questions about that. Who was spying on them? <laughs> Why? Somebody had to be watching them to know. So they catch them and they drag this woman before Jesus. But notice who is not there. They don't drag the man in front of Jesus. And he certainly had to be involved <laughs> for them to be caught in the act. So this sexual double standard that we see oftentimes in the Bible um, throughout Israel's history is that the, the woman is the one who bears the shame. The woman is the one whose safety is compromised. And in choosing to marry Mary, <laughs> in choosing to wed Mary, perhaps would be a better way to say that, and adopt her child, Joseph is flipping this double standard on its head. Joseph chooses something very powerful in his second choice. So his first choice was to prioritize Mary's safety over his pride. But his second choice is even more powerful because Joseph chooses to actually share in some of the costs alongside Mary, and he does not make himself look like a hero. His righteousness in this situation, the righteousness that the angel is encouraging him to have and to be uh, this righteous man that he was supposed to be, it looks 
It doesn't look like him swooping in and saving the day. It doesn't look like him tooting his own horn. It doesn't look like him reminding Mary over and over again of what he has done from, for her. His righteousness looks like humility and solidarity and a willingness to give of his own resources, both monetarily and emotionally, to exactly where they're needed most, this young mother and her baby-to-be. And in this way, Joseph is choosing to be part of birthing God into the world. So he doesn't realize that with his second choice, he is choosing to lay down his masculine, I say right in quotations, because that's the rights that he had in that society is his masculine rights and enter into the uncertainty and this uns- and the, I was going to say unsafety, but that's not a word, <laughs> uh, the lack of safety and the mystery of what was going to happen and the and the risk he's taking a huge risk in marrying mary because he's having this child that he doesn't know if he can love because it's not his he has this woman who he doesn't quite know if she has been unfaithful to him and he chooses to enter into this world and love her and love this child which the angel says is conceived by the holy spirit And he lays down his masculine rights and in doing so becomes part of birthing God into the world. The story would have been completely different if Joseph had not accepted this. And so in chapter two of Matthew, we actually encounter another type of violence. And if you want to read this, or rather another type of this masculine rights that's not laid down because we have King Herod, who was widely known for being so insecure that he enacted violence on people, and indeed even the slaughter of many, many children. He was very insecure. He didn't enter into the cost of those who are struggling. He he was so insecure that it turned into violence. And Joseph chose a different path. So he's not only turning the sexual double standard on its head in this society, he's also turning upside down what it means to be a righteous man. And I think that this is important for us in today's society because men often have a power to take a situation where violence is both normalized and encouraged and turn it into something nonviolent and transformative. Um, I think men are uniquely positioned to do this, especially with the amount of of power and rights that they have in our societies. And in doing this, when men step into situations where violence and discrimination are normalized and accepted and sometimes celebrated, and they say, no, I will choose solidarity with those who need help, um, that that is a really powerful thing because men become part of this birth of love incarnate in the world. And just a personal anecdote here, when I was a teenager, and it was a, such a small encounter, but I've never forgotten it because I was wandering around uh, like a Walmart after work one night. It was probably like 10, 11 p.m., and I just needed to buy a few things and go home, and there was a person following me around the store um, in a very threatening manner, and I tried to avoid them, and but it, w- it became very obvious to me that they were following me around the store. And another man noticed that this guy was following me and stepped in and asked if I was okay, told the guy to basically buzz off and leave me alone, and then made sure that I got into my car safely. And I just, I always think back to that, and that's kind of an extreme example. Um, But I, in that situation, 
very likely would not have been able to defend myself. Now, thankfully, I was in a public place, um, but I was kind of afraid to go out to my car. So I could have asked someone for help, potentially, but I didn't even have to. I didn't have to get that far because somebody who was viewing the scene stepped in, somebody who had the power to make a difference in that scene, stepped in and said, I have the ability to turn the situation that could potentially result in violence into something nonviolent and transformative. And we all have that power. Um, and so I know I started by talking about that men are uniquely positioned in today's society to have that power, but we all have a certain degree of this ability um, to step into situations where darkness is there, darkness is apparent, where discrimination and violence and all of these things are rife and overflowing and we have the ability to step in and say no that's not how this is going to go and in doing so we may face ridicule <laughs> we may face a loss of our pride a loss of respect um, a loss of honor and that is what the messenger of God in Christmas is calling us to be to say step into the situation it's not enough to be compassionate and to be reasonable you have to be the righteous person that God has called us and knows that we are to step into those situations and transform them and in doing so be part of this birth of love into the world and so when we think about Mary and the presence of God because Mary also chose so Joseph made all of these choices and the angel encouraged him and then he made a subsequent choice and he did marry he did wed Mary and take this baby and adopt this baby but Mary chose before Joseph even knew what was happening <laughs> she chose to accept this baby even at great personal risk for herself she accepted this child so the angel basically shows up to mary and says you're going to conceive and mary doesn't say oh no <laughs> she says okay she says okay knowing that her engagement to joseph would be over that she would be at least publicly shamed possibly physically harmed she chose this knowing that she would bring shame and dishonor to her family. It wasn't just her own life that would be ruined. She chose this knowing that she would likely never be married, that she would probably never leave her parents' house, that she would never know the companionship um, of being married. She would never have any more children. So many things that she would be missing out on. And yet she still chose Jesus, this baby that would bring hope from the darkness and when we think about these choices that Joseph and Mary made we have to reflect on the presence of God in that because in this story the presence of God was felt in so many surprising ways and we look for positive experiences when we talk about the presence of God I certainly um, I grew up Pentecostal so I'm like okay when you feel the presence of God like you get those goosebumps like you feel the presence of the Holy Spirit there's all kinds of things um, when we're like oh God showed up in this situation it's usually because something good has happened after a long period of bad it's because God came through for us we believe in a big way we're looking for these positive experiences of the presence of God but I want you to reflect on this as we go into Christmas and beyond, and especially 2020, it, it, especially if you have been crying out or praying or calling for a move of God in your life. Think about this. There was a time when the presence of the living, universal, powerful God, that presence was felt as morning sickness. 
There was a time when the presence of God was felt as the sharp kick from the inside to the ribs. <laughs> it was felt as the sleepless nights when Mary couldn't get comfortable, no matter how hard she tried. And she probably kept Joseph up his night too, tossing and turning. The presence of God was felt as Joseph cared for Mary, protecting her and loving her and the baby before it was even born. It was felt, I'm sure, through the long trip to Bethlehem, through... And we think, oh yeah, they had to go to Bethlehem for the census. But think of how many times, because Mary is literally like nine months pregnant. She is about to have this baby at any second. How many times they must have had to stop for her to go to the bathroom because the presence of God was stomping on her bladder. The presence of God was felt as utter exhaustion. And she settled in to sleep with the animals. Um, and that's what God felt like to her in that moment. And then she felt the presence of God as this agony and pain as she gave birth and then it was felt as unspeakable joy of parents holding their brand new baby as God, just as God regards us, his children. So perhaps this time of year is the darkest for you. But what I would encourage you to do is to remember that darkness is not where grace and hope go to die, but where grace and hope go to be born. And I'm going to say that one more time because I think it's so important. And I've certainly seen that it has been true many times in my life. Darkness is not where grace and hope go to die, but where grace and hope go to be born. And remember that God's presence is felt here too, even in fear, in grief, in loneliness. Remember that no matter where we are in life, we all Every single one of us have a responsibility to choose, as Joseph and Mary did, to protect others who face violence and discrimination and to turn those situations into something nonviolent and transformative, where the Spirit of God is birthed into the world anew. So, of course, the baby Jesus was born, but, and that was a one time thing, but we all have the ability to be part of continually bringing. The, this birth of hope and love out of the darkness, out of situations that we can step into. And so I will close with a benediction and wish you all a Merry Christmas. God with us, like an infant, like hope under tyrannical powers, like community that gathers to welcome new life. Let us go together praying, O come, O come, Emmanuel. The sacred has been birthed among us. Merry Christmas, friends, and Happy New Year from everyone here at Different Church. Liturgies presented in this podcast episode, adapted from Enfleshed.